Spokenly. Spokenly. I went to sleep that night without knowing that it would be the last night I ever spent in that bed at my parents' house in London. Meredith, my mum shook me awake. The room was dark, making it obvious it wasn't morning yet, or not time to get up for school anyway. Mum, I mumbled in my half-asleep state. It's time to go. Everything I told you about those stories is true. It's time for you to leave us so you can train to be a protector. Your dad and I, we've done everything we possibly can to prepare you. First Charge is the first book in the Destiny Initiative series by Amanda Steele. The book can be purchased in paperback from Amazon. The e-book can also be purchased on Kindle, Kobo, Apple Books and many others. Spoken Thank you today for tuning in to Spoken Label. Spoken Label was originally set up at the beginning of 2016 and as of recording has over 200 sessions in our archive. Although the podcast can be heard on Anchor, iTunes, Apple, Spotify, YouTube and literally 10 or 11 other networks, the full archive can be found at Spoken Label, all one word, spokenlabel.bandcamp.com. On Bandcamp, it is set as pay what you want. So you are entitled, if you wish, you can download it or stream it for nothing. But if you want to throw me a couple of pennies my way, it is always eternally grateful to help me maintain the operating costs and future running costs of this podcast. Enjoy. Spokenly. Hi guys, and the end. Spoken Label, back in the house on a Friday night. Now, on Zoom again today, and we've got a, a comic term writer on the other line at the moment whose name I'd heard of for quite a while now, but I saw him for the first time at the Sunday Assembly a little while back, and he added me on Facebook, and we got talking, and he sent over to his, his debut book to me, Gormless. And oh, it's one of the sort of books, and I'll let Rich introduce myself properly in a minute. I picked it up, I read up for half the first poem to a man with a partner, and she was cracking up like I was, so great choice for a guest today. So we've got Rich Davenport with us. Rich, would you like to introduce yourself to everybody? Tell them who you are, where you come from, and what starts off your creativity, and we'll take it from there. Okay. Uh, Rich Davenport from Exotic Bolton, uh, originally. <laughs> now living in even even more exotic Morecambe. Um, well, you're, you're Morecambe, um, and I didn't know that. I knew, you, I knew you, were, you were based in Bolton at one point, so how long have you been in Morecambe for? Oh, man, about 15 years now. Uh, my wife's from these parts, so I moved up here when we got together. And, and Well, I come from Goodstock because we used to have a caravan in Morecambe when I was little <laughs> in the 70s, and we used to come here every year. So, uh, yeah, so I, I have history with this area. <laughs> oh, yeah, just just slightly, aren't you? So, yeah, so now obviously um, I, know, I know you've done quite a lot of sort of stuff that's not just poetry itself. Like it's, um, I knew of you originally, um, for your stand-up comedy, really. That's why you know, I've heard your name going on for many, many years. So, and I know you've gigged all over the UK. So, obviously, I'm guessing your comedy came way before you put your comedy poetry in, really, didn't it? Yeah, pretty much. I'd done poems at school and stuff, and I, I'd all, um, I'd, I'd always been into well, well, um, it all kind of was around a similar time. I used to write lyrics for bands. I still play in a band, um, and uh, well, that's all serious stuff. So. Anything serious or more more tends to go into that 
Um, and then um, Daft Stuff. Uh, I'm a, I'm a support of extreme gormlessness. I, I'd started doing comedy probably in about 1993, just not in any sort of serious way, just dabbling with it. And then I got into it seriously probably in about 2002, now music. And following all that through, I naturally came across John Cooper Clark. This was in like um, 1991. I found a copy of his album, Snap, Crackle and Bop. Um, and I th- it just kind of, I thought, well, I wrote poems at school. I'll have a go at writing one. So that was, that was the first time I did it, but I didn't really sort of mention it to anybody. I just had a bit of a dabble at home kind of thing. And then when I got back into comedy, I, I thought, well, I might just, so I've always loved sort of performance poetry um <clears throat> another one early on which made me sort of even i always thought i've heard john cooper clark used to gig i saw benjamin zephaniah this would be yeah again 1991 so yeah, he's, yeah. He's uh, incredible. And, oh, it was amazing yeah and, and again it, it was a mix of political stuff serious stuff and and you know really funny stuff as well uh, to tell you how long ago it was, I bought a single of his, a 12-inch called Free South Africa. So um, it did the trick. <laughs> wow. That is going back, <laughs> that is going back a few years. years. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 91, 91 that was. But the, just the idea, because obviously I've played with bands since I've been about 14, but the idea of somebody doing a gig as a poet, this was like, oh, oh, I see. Um, so when I, when I got back into comedy uh, around 2002, I started doing the odd bit of just sticking a poem in at the end kind of thing. And another another big inspiration for me was Hovis Presley. I was going to now, ask actually, you next about Hovis. John... I was going to ask you next about Hovis actually because when I was a student back in okay, Bolton, no yeah, when I was a student back in Bolton Uni yeah. back in the late what late two thousands, I met Hovis. No, ninety eight or not ninety two thousand one. I met Hovis Presley and saw him perform about ten times. So how did you meet Hovis? Then? Well, I saw him. I've seen I, I, this when John Cooper Clark was making his comeback. Um, this was like early nineties, very early nineties. I saw him play a gig in London, and then a couple of years later, he played a place called Hawthorns in Bolton. This was like Christmas '93, and Orvis supported him. I'd never heard of Orvis before that, and uh, I thought he was brilliant. I enjoyed him as much as I enjoyed John Cooper Clark, and I bought his book, Poetic Off License. And then years later, I lived in London between. 94 and 2002 and when I moved back I'd started doing comedy and a mate of mine was just a mutual mate one of my oldest friends from school was a friend of Orvis so I got introduced to him and um, he's just such a lovely bloke I mean I was a little bit in awe because it's bloody Orvis Presley isn't it but sorry language <laughs> no I, but, I've had worse but, um, on this podcast don't worry about that mate. <laughs> yeah uh, but he was just really down to earth, really, really kind, encouraging fellow. And I'd been to the same primary school as him, it turned out. He's about 10 years older than me. Um, but, um, and I was, to be honest, I was really nervous about doing any, he, he put on a lot of local gigs in Bolton. He used to have a, a regular, I think it was a monthly night. And then he put on lots of charity gigs as well. Now, I've got ME, so he put on, he got another friend who had it. So he put on these charity gigs for, um, for the ME, the local ME support group and things like that so i just i ended up gigging with him about probably about 10 11 times and he, he kind of encouraged me about the poems because to be honest for me that was like the beatles going go on sing us one of yours then and you'd be like no no john really no <laughs> i'd rather not but but he, he kind of he was really kind and he encouraged me to do it and he said back in sort of 2003 you want to do a book 
And I was like, well, and he, he explained to me how, how he'd done a um, poetic off license, put it all together. And that, so he was like a Mr. Miyagi to my Daniel son, really. So, so, and then sadly, a couple of years later, he died. Big which, tragedy. Big, know, big tragedy. Out of the blue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, he was amazing, you know. It was amazing to sort of gig with him so often and just let him watch his, his, his set. And he was just so encouraging to other comedians, you know. There's loads of people... I'm sure you know yourself having met him and, you know, you're just such a giving bloke and so encouraging. Yeah, good bloke, good bloke. That was, that was pretty so the book I've done now. Yeah, yeah great. And you've done, obviously, you've gone into your book Gormless yeah. now, haven't you? So, and uh, did you say there was, there was a link between this, wasn't there, something I seem to recall? And Gormless, and he, didn't he call you Gormless or something? Oh, no, well, I've dedicated the book to him. I, I've always described my poems as poems of extreme gormless. Oh, that's it. That uh, it. I knew that bit. Yeah, I wonder if he called you that or he, he called it yourself. <laughs> well, no, well, that the, on the back of it, because I've had a break from comedy, because um, what happened was I've got ME and it got worse. Um, it makes me a little bit more horizontal than is really necessary. Um, and I had to take a break because I was semi-pro at one point and I gigged with some quite well-known comedians who were coming up and I was like bottom of the bill and they you know, when they were sort of top of the bill, if you see what I mean. So I gigged all over the show and I had to take a break. Anyway, there's a local night in Lancaster just up the road called Spotlight, which is a poetry and arts night. And they just support really? anybody who wants to. Yeah, it's really good. Um, so I did that a couple of times. And then there's a place opened in Markham called the West End Playhouse, which again, it's run by a performance poet guy called Matt Panash, who you might know. I know, Matt. I know Monkey Poet. Monkey Poet. Monkey Man, yeah. Yeah, I know. Yeah. yeah, yeah, lovely bloke. So uh, he just kind of set this up, and it's not far from, from where I live. And they do this Markham Fringe Festival, comedy festival. So, um, so I thought I, I miss doing comedy. I've just done little bits locally, and he said, "Well, why don't you put a show on at the Markham Fringe?" So I put something together, and then obviously the the um, the lockdown happened. What happened? Basically, I just stuck a, a video of a poem online on Facebook on World Poetry Day. Um. Or it might be National Portrait Day, the, the one earlier in the year. And uh, it was when the first lockdown had just started. And, and people said, like, people seem to really like it, thankfully. They didn't, well, if they were throwing things, I couldn't see because, you know, I'd finished by then. <laughs> um, and, uh, and they said, can you, can you put some more on? Because it's cheering people up in lockdown. I was like, yeah, all right then. And I'd been working on this book with Minty, the illustrator, for a couple of years. And we were probably going to self-publish it. Anyway, to cut a long story short, I knew a publisher through the comedy scene who's also got ME. And um, I said to him, look, I, I've got these poems. I've got an illustrator who's, who's, you know, done quite a few illustrations for the for the, for the book. Don't worry if it's not of any interest, but is that the sort of thing you might put out through your company? And he said, oh, yeah, yeah, send us a few samples. And, uh, and thankfully, he liked it. So, um, yeah, he's ended up putting it out for me, which I'm really thankful for. So it's all kind of... I've got really back into it during the lockdown, really, and over the summer during the pandemic, which has been great for me in terms of mental health, just having something to focus on. Um, and and uh, I did this um, uh, Morecambe Fringe Festival online, and the book came out in July, and thankfully people have have been seem to be enjoying it. So that's the main thing, and uh, it's it's kind of got me got me going again. So I'm kind of pushing on from here, really. Brilliant. Brilliant. Yeah, the book's excellent. Anyone that wants to get hold of the book, I'd recommend you get it because, as I tell you, off, off Mike Forbridge, after I got a copy of it in the post, I, was, I picked it up 
picked it up. First bit I read, was, I read it aloud to Amanda, was done next to me, she was cracking up. And I was done with Amanda Page, it was really, really funny, but really well written as well. So, yeah, it's world worth your time. So, did you find them um, when you were doing this, getting the book together, did you find that your approach had changed over with your writing, you think, your comedy into your poetry? Because I, I, I got a lot of you in the book. I've, I've not seen your live sets, but I can guess what they would like after hearing this, reading this book. Yeah, um, I mean, what, yeah, what I try to do is, when, when I want to do, when I do, I did this this show, uh, which is actually on YouTube, if anyone wants to, to have a gander at it, just search Rich Davenport Gormless and it'll come up. It's a mix of, like, one-liners, daft observations, comedy songs, but and, and then with poems in between. So what tends to happen it, it, with, um, I suppose with comedy, I get a daft idea first that is probably too gormless to put into a joke and then just kind of expand on it from there. And I try and put, I just try and write jokes that rhyme really and daft um, daft scenarios and just see where it goes really. Sometimes you, you, you come, I come up with like the main idea of what the poem's going to be about, the subject, and there's plenty of gags that go off with that. And then other times it's kind of dictated by what rhymes spring to mind. And well, I, I do try and pack, pack as many funny bits into the poems as possible really, yeah. Yeah, and it does, it really shows So it, it does have... It's really, really good for entertaining oh. book. Now, how did you and your illustrator, Minty, meet? Well, uh, there's another funny story. Uh, back in oh, 2003, 2004, I worked in Waterstones Bookshop in Bolton, and uh, so did she. And it oh, turned out she? we had <laughs> a really simple... Yeah. So I, I didn't realise the lady, uh, sorry. Well, <laughs> oh, no worries, no worries. Well, Minty could go either way. It's one of those names, isn't it? You don't know, yeah, it's yeah. just mint-flavoured. But uh, she is a... <laughs> yes. uh, uh, and um, yeah, we had this very, very similar sense of humour. Um, and I didn't actually know that she could, she could do um, th that. She was artistic like that, you know. I mean, um, and uh, it turned out uh, years later, we kind of got in touch on Facebook again, and she she ran a shop in Orich near Bolton called Works of Heart, which was like an art shop, and she did art projects in schools and things like that. And she started posting some of her uh, uh, paintings and drawings and things like that. And some of them were cartoons. So I just dropped her a line. I said, look, I've written these gormless poems. I don't suppose you fancy having to go illustrating them. And we, we knew we had a, a similar sense of humour anyway, because it, it was just constant stupidity when we were working together. Uh, and, um, and I just love her style of artwork. It really brings the poems to life. So she came up with a few ideas. And it was like, yes, you've completely taken what's in me and made it real on the page. Thank you. So I <laughs> Kind of a, she's done an incredible job, and like you say, it adds so much to it. It's as I think it's as much part of the impact of the book as the the poems themselves for me. And it's just it's just brilliant seeing what she'll come up with and how she'll put across what I've tried to put across in the poem, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. You obviously, like if people are wondering that like, you've got a bull on the front cover. So I think it's a, is, I think it's a bull, isn't it? Snorting out. That is hinting like you're subtle of the bull. Isn't it? It's actually a gnu. Oh, it's a gnu, right? Well, that's another copy. It does look like a bull. Don't worry. Yeah. Sort of gnu and bull confusion is, 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 it afflicts a lot of us. You know, I had to learn the difference very, very slowly with, with flashcards. Um, so, yeah, no, it is in fact a gnu because we, we give our um, joint shenanigans the, the name blue gnu scribblings. Ah, right. I was wondering where that oh. came from. Right. <laughs> Brilliant. Okay. Yeah. Um, have you got any 
gigs lined up for this at the moment to support the book? And what plans have you got going forward at the moment now? Um, I'm trying to book stuff for after the pandemic. I'm still isolating at the minute for various health-related uh, humorous jollity things. Um, uh, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm trying to start gigging. The Morecambe Fringe have asked me back next year uh, to do it live, right. uh, which was the intention last year, but it got put on. So I'm going to go back there and do that again. I'm working on, we're working on a second book uh, at the moment, Minty and myself. Um, and also a few people have asked me, was I planning to record any of the poems? And I, I mean, I did do a comedy album back in 2003. I've still got a cupboard full of them now, but you know, um, it was <laughs> one of them. That's the story of another day, that. About 30 people. Yeah, wow. yeah. So wow. people, people said, like, well, I wanted to record wow. some of these. And I've, I've, I used to do a radio show uh, on a rock station, and the guy that runs the station, he got in touch and said, have you thought of, you know, just doing some sort? He said, the book's fine, but have you thought about doing something with actually performing them? So a few people had asked. So I put a thing just very, very tentatively on Facebook the other week just with people who've, who've liked the poems. I said, would anybody be interested if I put something together with just maybe... A CD of like as many poems as I can cram on with a few Daft's comedy songs and some sketches and people thankfully seem to be interested so I'm, I'm going to start work on that hopefully in the next month or so I mean it's, it's pretty much I've got enough poems to do it with I just need to sort of write a couple of more bits to go with it so hopefully next year both of those things will be happening and then I'm looking to sort of get gigging as soon as I can really you know as soon as it's all um, yeah the, the sort of uh, restrictions are lifted and, and live shows are happening again. I really want to get out again and just gig wherever I can, really, next year. Yeah, I can't blame you. I suspect when a lot of restrictions get lifted, it's going to be absolutely mental, this our live scene, because, like, you've had people, like, I'm a performing poet, you know, and it's going to be like, we've all been shut in for nine months, haven't we? So everyone's going to be out kicking here, there, and everywhere first chance they can, basically. For that one. So, yeah, I agree with completely yeah. on that. Now, I'm, I was going to ask you as well then, obviously, I know you've gigged all over the UK. What's the most um, unusual gig you've done so far then? Is there any sticks in your brain? Uh, unusual? Uh, yes. Um, there used to be a bistro in Lee near Wigan. Hmm. No, it was in Wigan. I'm, I, I, hang on a minute. I'm, I'm getting, I'm getting, I know it was in Wigan. I'm sure it was in Wigan. Uh, run by a guy called Rufus who I can't remember how I got introduced to him. It was through another stand-up comedian, and he used to put on a comedy night every month, this guy Rufus. It was, it was just it was very, it was like, it was like a converted terraced house. Mm. Really posh food and all that. I'm surprised they let me in, you know. But... <laughs> and he would just have people at the front from the comedy circuit. He'd have three or four acts on, like a proper comedy night, while people are sat there eating the tea, you know. So it was like, that was surreal. And Horvis did it uh, a couple of times. Uh, and and some of them, some of the jokes people, you know, because it was like what you get in a, in a proper comedy club. So it was, occasionally, I don't know if they were going to put people off off, <laughs> off the meals. Some of what people were coming out with, but it was a uh, that was a bit surreal. People are sat there eating the steak and chips, whatever, and you'd hey, how about them poo gags? It, it's, <laughs> it's a, a bit. Uh, that was a bit weird, yeah. Oh, God, yeah, completely. I can well imagine it over years. Like, you've you probably covered all kinds of venues, haven't you? So, like, some, like, all comments say some nights are better than others, probably, as well. So, what's the furthest you've travelled then, comedy gig-wise? I mean, I've done... I did gigs in London when I lived down there, a couple. 
years and years ago, we're going back to about 1996, wow. um, Stephen came, gave me my first open spot, a place in New Malden called the Big Fish Comedy Club. And then when I moved back up to Bolton, I went down to London again to gig from from Bolton, if you see what I mean. So that was quite a long round trip. And then I've gone up to the northeast from the northwest, which is quite a circuitous uh, route. Yeah. Uh, and I gigged, I gigged a bit in Scotland when I, I lived up there for a while as well. And uh, that was when I was, that was back in the sort of early nineties when I was first sort of dabbling with comedy. So I've gigged up there a little bit as well. So wherever they'll have me, really. Oh, yeah, it's understandable. Have you found then over time, though, you that you've gigged in quite a lot of different areas, have you found, like, since um I get the words right here, have you found, like, each night's been very different if you go to other areas? Like, what may really work in one area doesn't always work in others, you find? The, the main thing I found with that was when I first started out, well, when I got back, in, but sort of around 2002, I used to do quite a lot of stuff, uh, like... There's a lot of northern stuff in in what I do anyway, but it was it was a bit more probably a lot more when I first started out, and the references didn't always work in other areas. Sometimes they did, and sometimes they didn't. So I made it a bit broader in terms of um, and it's just experience that sort of you you kind of learn things like that by dying on your ass horribly, really. Oh um, yeah, and uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, what I don't know what I found is the type of venue really more than more than the area uh, i think places like john glurs and comedy store and things like that, and no disrespect to places like that they're a lot more mainstream and and my stuff's just daft and and i think what i found is that people's taste in comedy can be as different as the taste in music um again a very painful lesson <laughs> so in, in some places stuff you know stuff that's gone down well one night has just been complete tumbleweed city the next night M- more dictated by this the sort of um the type of night it is whether it's i've not explained this very well am i some places you you're you kind of on in the background as a comedian because it's a works night out or a hindu or a stag night and it it's it's it, they go for a much more mainstream style of humor which is which is brilliant for comedians who do that there's a lot of people who do it brilliantly well i'm not one of them um and (laughs) um so it it was more kind of figuring that out and then there's nights that are more what we used to in old days we used to call it alternative comedy you know um Perhaps a little people, you know. Whereas if it's, if it's more known as, as being a comedy night where people go to see comedians, if that makes sense, places like Excess Malarkey in Manchester, places where you get regular circuit comedians, not just people going for a night out once a year, and you know what I mean. Like then with places like that, people seem to be a lot more um, savvy about different styles of comedy, a lot more open to it, and a lot more willing to give you a chance. Whereas if it's in a more mainstream venue so i would say i would say more of that the, the kind of night it is more than the 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 location yeah yeah of course sense. no that's clear i agree because i'll get completely with that so right a couple of quick things to finish off with here because i want to backtrack backtrack because something i want to ask you before as well i was on the your forthcoming second book which obviously hopefully be hopefully be out next year how mm-hmm. does it how does it compare to the first book is it quite different or is it uh similar similar ish do you think Similar sort of stuff, really. Um, 
there's there's um I, I try and write as much as i can it's not always as often as i'd like with work commitments and things like that but i do try and keep going so that i'm not caught short and i don't mean that in a kind of lavatorial sense <laughs> Although there are special trousers you can wear and it helps but um no I, I, t- I try and keep keep writing so that i don't run out of stuff basically and so that any that come up that aren't very good because not everything you write is usable and you know so so <clears throat> I try, I try and write as much as I can, uh, so this, so I, I'm, I'm kind of so that I've got more than I need, if you see what I mean, and so that I can weed out the crap, basically, uh, which is a long process. And then, um, so the second one, it, it kind of goes on in a similar vein. I'm trying not to repeat myself. I mean, there's there's a lot of poo humour in there. Let's be honest, and that that's a, that's an ongoing theme. Of, although I don't really like eggs, so that that's carrying on. So yeah, it's probably just as daft. But someone, I think someone mentioned that there weren't very many long poems in the first book. So I've tried to do more of a um, an epic, which is called that's that's one. There's ones called uh, Dracula's Ethical Pig Farm. Great tackle. Thank you. So that's in there. And just just I just try and keep the ideas fresh and not repeat myself. But hopefully, yeah, similar if you, I mean if people have enjoyed the first one, hopefully they'll like this. And I, I am testing some of the point out on uh I could do these videos, thankfully. So I was doing I did pretty much everything from the first book. I put one up every week on um on my Facebook page, and I'm trying out some of the ones from from the the forthcoming book as well, and ones I write as I go along, kind of thing. So yeah, it's it's going to be similar style of humour, possibly, hopefully, without repeating too much of the subject matter. Yeah, now best way, I agree. I like, I look forward to it. Now, if people want to find out more about you, Richard, where are the best going? Facebook page is a good one. It's um, just facebook.com/slash/rich.davenport1. And if anyone's interested in the book, and I'm donating a percentage from every copy of the book to the ME Association, so that's that's available from www.chinbeardbooks.com. Chin as in thing on the front of your face, beard as as in the hurry thing thereupon. Chinbeardbooks.com. Brilliant. Yeah, I can see that in the back of the book, so I'll make a note of that later. Great stuff. Okie dokie. Right, that's all my questions today, Rich. So- we're going to let okay. you take a, quick, take a quick break and we're going to let you read it, get to a few poems for us then, if you're okay with that. Absolutely. Thanks so much for, yeah, for been, having me on, guys. I appreciate it. It's been it. brilliant. It's been to have loved it. So hang around, everybody. Believe me, this guy's a genius. You'll love him. See you in a few minutes. Take care. Spoke Hi, guys. Straight over to Rich. This is brilliant. I'm looking forward to this. Over to you, buddy. Thank you, thank you. Uh, this one is called, uh, right, the, the, the first poem I'm going to read is based on the old Northern sweary exp- expression, Bloody Nora. Bloody Nora! Which to me sounds like an old lady who's become a serial killer. Um, <laughs> and I've combined that with the idea of the, do you remember the knitness at school, Knitting or the Bug Explorer? Oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I do, I do remember that, yeah. Yeah, well, I've put those together and this is the Ballad of Bloody Nora. Nasty notions nag within the noggin of old knit nurse Nora. After 50 years of scalp surveillance, she could stand no more. Her sanity was slowly stolen by insomnia. Her husband was Nora. Criminally insane would be the best description for her. For decades, the kid's knit discomfort really got a goat. But now the goat's been sacrificed. She's flipped and slit its throat. She doesn't blame the children. Gives discreet shampoo, no shame. It's crystal clear in Nora's eyes the parents are to blame. With her meat cleaver in hand, she now begins her killing spree. You filthy gits have all gotten it, as far as I can see. See her bulging egg-eyed glare. 
She's deadly as a rabid stoat. Nor as Nick Curie's simple. Cuts your hair off at the throat. Her rampage knows no limits as she tears across the nation. Septuagenarian serial killer seeks to spread decapitation. From town to town she travels in her mobile home at Torah. She's still at large. Pray you don't face the blade of blood in her. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> Everyone's wondering. You've got uh, Amanda sat in the background. Say hello, Amanda. Hello. She, she, she wants to hear this one after reading the book. That's fantastic, that wrote. Great start. <laughs> did you find out when you wrote that piece? Was it quite Thank easy you. to write that one, or did it, did it kind of tell itself quite over a bit of time to you? It did. It, it just sort of came out, really, yeah. Um, yeah, it, it tends to happen, that. If, if, um, Sorry, mate, go on. I'm yeah, on. it just kind of all... That spiralled out really, better out than in, and and, uh, and there it was. Yeah, I just got the idea, and and <laughs> an empty house is better than a bad tenant, and, and there it was. Yes, <laughs> brilliant. Okay, what she jump into your second one, mate? What's your second one going to be then? Right. Well, this next one is, it's basically inspired, um, uh, you know, I'm in my 40s now, so even my wife thinks I'm old. For my last birthday, she got me an aftershave called Old Spouse. Um, and this missed on um, the people I think are the best model of growing older, the Rolling Stones, uh, and obviously healthy eating is important for staying healthy. So I've combined the two there. This is inspired by Rolling Stones' song title. It's called It's Only, Ruff Only Rock and Roughage, But I Like It. <laughs> After much in-depth analysis, it would appear to me that cabbage is the Keith Richards of the lettuce family. To support this theory further, eat them both. Note your reaction. Lettuce alone won't fill you up, but cabbage gives you satisfaction. Lettuce is light and sprightly, while cabbage seems to stagger. That's because cabbage is Keith Richards. And lettuce is Mick Jagger. <laughs> Are you laughing speechless, sir? that one. <laughs> Brilliant, absolutely superb. Sublime that one, mate. So I take it. Are you actually a fan of the Rolling Stones? Yes, yes. I kind of grew up on the Beatles and the Stones as a kid. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I do like them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you can check. I got, I got the love on that one straight away then. So brilliant stuff. <laughs> Great stuff, that. <laughs> okay, mate. Um, why don't we agreed on five, didn't we? So because you're, you're that talented. Do you want to give us, give us a third one, mate? Okay. Uh, this next one, it, it maybe it was a new word on me, but it's actually an old word. It's Hochmagandi, which is um, an old, <clears throat> excuse me, an oldie worldy word for sex used by the poet Rabbi Burns. It's a Scottish word. So if you shout Hochmagandi in a Scottish accent every so often, that helps. So you've heard of Fifty Shades of Grey. This is called Seven Shades of Hochmagandi. <laughs> Normally by the fireside deal, let's have a glass of brandy. And if the fancy takes you, there'll be time for Huck McGandy. Number two, there's life in the old dog yet. I'm 93 years old, and though my legs are bowed and bandy, with Viagra and a splint, I can still manage Huck McGandy. Number three, one sniff of the barmaid's apron. I cannot take my drink. I'm off my tits on half a shandy. He gives me brewer's droop, leaves me incapable of a half-mandy. Number four, in every nook and cranny, if you get married on a nudist beach, you'll get all sandy. You'd better have a shower before attempting half-mandy. 
<laughs> Number five, that Manilow magic. Barry Manilow sang songs about ladies with names like Mandy. Mandy was nice, but as for that woman in his 1981 hit single Bermuda Triangle, oh, she were a wrong one. She buggered off with another man right in front of poor Barry and broke his heart, and all because she couldn't control her insatiable desire for... Oh, my grandy. <laughs> Number six, Morgan Freeman was a chauffeur for Miss Je Miss Daisy, Jessica Tandy. She didn't pay his wage in cash. She paid in Oh, my grandy. <laughs> Number seven, you'll have to get out of the habit. I've been a celibate monk for 50 years, but I'm still randy. No oh, bollocks to the monastery. It's time for Hock McGandy. Now, one final word of warning. Chastity is fine and dandy, but the human race would be extinct if not for Hock McGandy. That's superb. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brilliant, that one, mate. Oh. Well, the thing is, the fun I'm worried about that is that you actually know Barry Manilow's song there with the Triangle. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic, mate. Oh, God, absolutely. Really joined us tonight. Okay. We're doing the fourth one now, aren't we? <laughs> we are. Well, I, 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 this is a short one. It's basically, <clears throat> uh, the, the, it's a haiku, which we were taught about at school, and it wasn't a posh school. It was rough as a bird's ass. It was a school <laughs> in Bolton called Dean School, which people say, what did you leave school with? And I said, all my teeth. <laughs> you know, that kind of... Um... Uh, but anyway, they talked about haikus. Some people took this one off, and, and there were riots, all kinds of things. You know, but that was education. It's an education in itself, really. But um, so they talked about haikus, really, which I thought is it's it's a traditional Japanese form of poetry consisting of uh, three lines in the first verse. No, sorry, sorry. It's three lines, uh, five syllables in the first line, second in the, seven in the second, and then five syllables again in the third line. And some poets are moved by the challenge of expressing something of great profundity within the minimalist aesthetic of the haiku form. And then there are silly buggers like me who use it for poo jokes. So this is called Fast Poo Haiku. Unexpected squits. Screaming swimmers flee the pool. They fear... My brown shame. <laughs> I've heard a haiku like that before. Now, Amanda, you write haiku well, like I do. It's like next to me. Have you ever heard a haiku like that? Amanda's just shaking her head. I know she's never heard one like that before. <laughs> Brilliant, mate. <laughs> okay, we're on to the big finale now, won't we, mate? Mmm, I'm torn between two. Um, stripy Elf or Three Meals with Roger. Um, Amanda? Stripy Would you like... Amanda's asking for Stripy Very Elf. Very surreal or rude? Stripy Elf. Okay. Stripy Elf, so... No problem. <clears throat> Here we go. This is Yeah, this is probably one of my favourites, this one. Tug not the beard of Stripy Elf, lest he become aggrieved. The guests in all their finery shall not be well received. The matador with roses clenched, his buttock cheeks betwixt. Fandango's to Aunt Maud and says, All right, love, how are you fixed? <laughs> they toot upon their pipes of clay, the smoke doth rise in wisps. Aunt Maud lifts up a bowl and squeezes, which shall crisps. My darling Maud, the matador exclaims, have you forgot? You ate the crisps yourself to celebrate the yak you shot. Says Maud, well, I'll be back at yes, the yak who stole my car. And then they laugh, six laughs of laughter each. Ha ha, ha ha ha. 
Fantastic. Brilliant stuff today, uh, Rich. I know Manda's in the background like I am. We've both absolutely really, really enjoyed that. So everybody, make sure you check out your book almost details before. There's loads more in there like that. It's brilliant. So thank you today, Rich. It's been a pleasure. <laughs> Real pleasure. Thank man. you, guys. Pleasure for me too. Thanks so much for having me on the show. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you. Hang around, mate. We've put her your mic. This is on the end. Thank you, everyone. Stay safe. And as Don Callis says, stay on. Spoken, mate.